Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Diana House. Diana is an, an award-winning speaker, author, and international virtual trainer who brings 25 years of experience in the learning industry. As a world-class facilitator, she's trained Fortune 100 and 500 companies and facilitated virtual programs in more than a dozen countries. Diana is currently CEO of Howells Associates, and she earned her master's degree from Colorado State University and is a frequent presenter at international in-person and virtual conferences. She's the author of the new book, Next Level Virtual Training, Advance Your Facilitation, available on Amazon and can be reached through her website, which we'll give you at the break. So welcome to the show, Diana. So good to have you here. Thrilled to be here. All right. Well, we met at the National Publicity Summit, and so I'm really excited to bring your wisdom and your expertise and your enthusiasm to our listeners around the world. I want to start by asking, were you always somebody who was interested in teaching? Were you the little girl who had like all her dolls set up and her chalkboard and her classroom set up and was teaching or was teaching something that came later in your journey? You know, I think it was an evolution and maybe some of your listeners might feel that that's where they ended up for their career too. I did not, I do not remember teaching as a little girl, but when I grew up, somebody did stop me in a public place and said to me, are you a teacher? So I don't know what characteristics might have come off in that situation, but I was always drawn to speaking. I thought it was so much fun. And I also enjoyed acting and being on stage. So that certainly influenced me as well. Mm, Okay. So to give us a little bit of background, what, what got you into the virtual training business? Like how long have you been doing that? Because for me, I'll just say, I didn't get into the virtual space until 2008. And I've been a virtual speaker pretty much all of that time since 2008, where most people took their speaking business out on the road because I was a single mom. I I found virtual and I fell in love with it. So tell us a little bit about your evolution. Right. So I was a corporate trainer. So I did a lot of in-person training, mostly in person. And then as some of the new platform tools started to emerge, some of which Angel don't even exist anymore. So there was a platform called Placeware, for example, that Microsoft later acquired, and and that tool doesn't exist anymore. But this is back in 2000, 2001. And I was really drawn to that kind of 
facilitation online. Back then we called it web conferencing. I think because it was novel, it was something that was challenging and technology has always fascinated me. So it was this sort of perfect storm. And I remember when my manager, when I was a corporate trainer said, let's see if we can use this platform to train others, to educate our staff, to reach customers. I jumped in and I really wanted to learn how to do that. And so I've been training virtually through different platforms over the last two decades. Wow. Okay. So what inspired you to start your own business, Diana? You know, Angel, I think it was like what you said as a mom, right? That there was this, when you're mompreneurs, you you creatively source whatever you can. And I'm sure our listeners today have done that as well. I saw an opportunity at a big corporation where I was working as a trainer. They were laying off all of us in the corporate learning area. And so I took the severance and thought, well, this is an opportunity to work from home. I had a child at that time that was only two years old. And so I was able to start my own business the next year. We became an LLC and we've been doing it ever since. So it really enabled me to have the flexibility, as many of our mompreneurs know, and also be able to kind of juggle, right, that work-life balance. Mm, Beautiful. So tell me a little bit about the speaking journey for you. Did you mostly do virtual speaking once you got into your own mompreneur business or did you also take yourself out on the road? You know, early on, we did both. So Mm -hmm. I did the in-person speaking, which, you know, is so different as a different medium. And then also doing virtual and obviously in recent years, mostly virtual, but I still enjoy kind of the challenges of each and being able to really reach an audience. It's always, always about connection. Mm, All right. Well, as a work from home mom, I, you know, I think you're definitely somebody that some of our listeners can probably really relate to, especially when the work from home is virtual speaking. (laughs) Could you give, I mean, I remember when I first got started and I would be like, okay, buddy, my little guy, right? I'd be like, okay, buddy, unless you're bleeding or there's water (laughs) gushing out of something or there's a fire, like I just for the next 30 minutes, I need you to not interrupt me. Right. (laughs) So do you have any tips or tricks for people who are working from home who primarily are using speaking as either service delivery, something they're delivering for service or as the way that they're marketing themselves? Right. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of grace since many of us have transitioned to working from home. So certainly there's grace there. But yes, for those really important meetings where you are speaking or you are presenting or you are live, doing what you can to make arrangements so that you aren't interrupted is helpful with pets and or children. And sometimes, you know, having them work on their own projects and letting them know this is your time. And then when the buzzer goes off, then we'll be able to reconnect. So really being creative, right, about how to how to work through that successfully. Yeah, well, and, you know, you do point to something. It's only really been in the last couple of years from Corona that now it's becoming normalized. But for many years, it was not normal (laughs) to be doing virtual speaking. How for you was it when you began your process of, you know, working from home? How was it for you? Like, what were some things that you did to set yourself up for success, both as a speaker, but also as a transmitter of information to the people who were wanting to learn from you? What were some of the things that you did 
to you know, improve your presence, to improve engagement, to besides setting the boundaries with the kids, to just make the whole thing easy for you and for your listeners? Well, that's a great question, Angel, right? Because we do talk a lot about professional presence and presence, really the sense of being together, feeling like you are in the same place and the same place now is a virtual shared space. So when we are, when I was virtual training or delivering virtual training, even back then, just doing what you could to communicate in the space that you have professionalism. So, you know, many of us know from the waist up, we are professional. There are things we do with our background. It's what is visible to our learners. And I remember doing a middle of the night virtual training. So a lot of my learners were in Japan. And so we did it obviously for their time zone. So they could have a tea break in between. It was 2 a.m. for me, but we just did everything we could to light our set, even though it was, you know, middle of the night for them. And you just really have to reframe and put yourselves in the shoes of your learners so that you could be with them, connect with them, build relationship with them, because that's important to learning too, when you're doing and delivering, for example, virtual training. Yeah, let's talk too about audience size. I think that, you know, when it's a smaller audience, you can really get more of the feedback, the direct feedback. Is this working? Is it landing? I mean, you know, right now it's you and I, right? And so I'm able to communicate with you and see you and body language with you and all of those things. And the more little faces that are on the screen, the more it can be kind of distracting. So sure. can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the some of the environments that you've been in and where, you know, you found it maybe to bump up against a challenge space and maybe what some of your favorite like containers are for virtual learning? You know, there certainly are challenges in what I've seen for coming across effectively online and some of the most common ones are just distracting backgrounds. So visual cues, distracting audio when the audio isn't connected correctly, lighting where people are cast in silhouette or they're in, you know, shadow or really hot spots on them or their lack of looking and making connection through the, the, the camera lens or referencing a side monitor for the duration of that connection, which is really interesting, Angel, because when I ask people, I survey people, when you see a presenter or a virtual trainer looking off to a side monitor for an extended period of time, what is the impression? And they will say they look unprofessional. They look like they don't know what they're doing. They look like they're not prepared. Now, none of that is true, right? It's just the perception. So again, the reminder that perception is reality. And there are so many things we can do to be more effective on camera and convey professional presence. Mm, beautiful. Well, I'm sure that you talk about some of that in your book, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the book after the break. But before we go to the break, I'd like to just kind of follow up on one more piece of the getting yourself out there speaking virtually when you were working from home as a mom. Was there anything in particular that 
you structured for yourself, not just for presence, not just to show up for presence, but also presence of mind. Like, were there things that you set up in your daily routine where you said, okay, I'm going to speak during this period of time of the day because it's when the kid is taking a nap or any kind of tip or trick for our listeners who might be considering setting themselves up as virtual speakers? Yeah, you know, it's really important, right, to stay in that flow when you are live and you can be easily distracted. So sometimes even bringing in, ideally, an extended family member or a nanny or a babysitter or somebody who can help you so that you know that everything is taken care of for those really important things. For the other things that maybe uh, an interruption could come, then that's a little different, right? If they're set up with an activity in the next room or even in the back of the room, but they're off camera. So it is a in the moment by moment decision. And I think women are intuitively very skilled at being creative and sourcing and challenging when challenging problems come, figuring out solutions. So it really is being able to be, I guess, present, right? Because sometimes present in the moment, sometimes those solutions come to us when we can just stop, find that quietude, ground ourselves. That's when we get ideas. And I've noticed too, I've stopped planning ahead because usually the best solutions come to you almost as you get closer to the moment when you need them. And so just knowing, trusting that those solutions will present themselves. Mm, I love it. So I want ladies around the world, I want you to hear this we can often get caught up in staying in motion and we get so caught up in staying in motion that we're actually pushing the solutions away from us. And so what Diana just said is really important. It's not just about showing up and having presence for your audience, but it's also being present in the moment for yourself such that you're willing to stop and sink into that quietude and open to receive the solution. Beautiful. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And Angel, I know you talk a lot about creativity too, right? And that's when those great ideas come. Mm -hmm. When you're not busy in your mind, when you're jogging, when you're in the shower, when you're just sitting. And so really opening those spaces up so that we can, you know, be receptive to those creative ideas that come. But not only that, anytime we have a problem or a challenge, I believe there are multiple solutions out there that exist. But if we have, if we are able to stop and be quiet and just still our minds, then we can see those solutions. Ah, oh, beautiful. All right, ladies, we're going to take a quick break. We could use your help if you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also love to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. We're also celebrating that we have a new collaborative book out that has 17 stories from Wickedly Smart Women from around the world. And we'd love to have you help us out by letting your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about both the show and the book so that we can serve them too. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading in 106 countries now and rating and reviewing. Thank you so much for all of the five-star reviews. We're welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world and want to shout out this week to our listeners in the United Arab Emirates, Costa Rica, and Azerbaijan. And we will be right back with Diana Howells.
The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design? A life that is an extraordinary work of art. Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Diana House. You can find out more about Diana, probably book her to speak and maybe buy her book as well at howlsassociates.com. We will have that info for you in the show notes. You can get her book, which is Next Level Virtual Training, Advance Your Facilitation on the resources page of her website or at Amazon. And you can also connect with her on LinkedIn. So Diana, before we went to the break, we were talking about dropping in and getting quiet so that you can have the solution show up for you. I'd love to hear about your thoughts as we have moved through this period where it was novel, right, to be a web conferencing person to now it's becoming normal. It's gone from novel to normal. I want to hear a little bit maybe from your book about how you advance your facilitation skills. You know, there are those of us who are are well practiced at virtual speaking. And then there are those of us who have only been in it for the last couple of years because of Corona. So can you speak a little bit about how to just enhance your virtual presence and advance your facilitation skills in the virtual space? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's really virtual is here to stay. Right. And so we really do want to do our best to figure out how to be more, more effective. So in my book, next level virtual training, I do have a capability model that outlines eight core areas of expertise. One being, for example, on-camera competency, which I talk about as video literacy. It's really like a new literacy for people to learn how to communicate effectively in this new medium. Another one is technical fluency. Another one is online facilitation. Another one is learning experience design. So eight core areas. But I do think we are in sort of this renaissance period, if you will, a modern renaissance where we are reinventing sort of a rebirth of all sorts of things, even educational system, being virtual, getting used to that, like you said, a new normal. So it's really an exciting place to be. I consider it pioneering. Mm-hmm. Well, as a pioneer, I'd love to have you talk a little bit. You know, I think one of the things that I hear from my speaker friends is, How do we enhance the engagement? Many of my speaker friends, like I think there's a difference between virtual training that's being delivered because a corporation is paying for it and employees are required to attend versus a virtual learning experience where you're basically marketing your services and you're inviting people to engage with you and to enroll to work with you. Those are, you know, two different kinds of virtual learning experiences. 
how do you enhance engagement? Like what uh, of these things that you talked about, the, you know, learning experience design, or is it video literacy? Is it your facilitation skills? Is there a magic button that you can push inside yourself, right? (laughs) Or, Or magic formula that you recommend that people use in order to encourage the people who are on the other side of the screen to like, stay with me, be present with me, engage with me. Yes. Well, such a great question, Angel. So there's so many things we can do. We really need to leverage the affordances of your platform. So whatever platform you're you're using, get really familiar with all of those tools. But there's also the people psychology part, right? So engagement is not just clicking, that's sort of physical, but there's the cognitive psychology part of connection. So we want to encourage all of that. So there are a couple of things we can do. When you first invite people in, whether it's a meeting or a presentation or a training, invite them to attend early, at least 10 minutes early, get them talking. How's it going? How's your day going? What are you working on? What you're doing right there is you are getting them over inertia. So inertia is that initial resistance to move to a new state. Think about it. They're in a state of non-action. You're asking them to move to a state of action. And that initial resistance is like getting up a hill. It's like going back to work after a holiday. We all know what that's like, right? So you're helping get them over that hill. You also want to get them using the tools right away. So right away at the beginning, use the icebreaker, raise your virtual hand if... Or let me know in the chat what shoes you're wearing today. Are you barefoot, socks, slippers, shoes? Want to hear from you. Now, it's fun and it breaks the ice, but we have a deeper strategy. We want them to get comfortable using a tool. And once they've done it, using something really easy, they are more likely to do it again. So you are building and building on this engagement and you're doing it strategically. And when they do participate, when they do make a comment, you give genuine affirmation. That's a really interesting point, Angel. Did you also think about, right? Because if somebody just says, somebody participates and they give you a comment and some and the facilitator says, thanks for that, anyone else? You know, how does that participant feel like, oh, I wasn't heard is usually what learners will say. And so we want to affirm, right, so that they will participate more. So it's almost like you get this ball spinning down the hill and you can definitely have successful, interactive, engaging and impactful virtual events. Mm, Beautiful. Well, I'm barefoot today. Just, just saying. <laughs> I know I feel more grounded when I'm barefoot. I bet our listeners are too. <laughs> yeah, I'm barefoot. I usually am barefoot every time I do my podcast. So just saying I'm barefoot today. I want right? to talk a little bit because, you know, one of the things that virtual does, it's like it's got this beautiful capacity to allow for people to intersect with us anywhere at any time in any condition from the waist down, right? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, you want to show up professionally on the camera, but yes. on the bottom half, we might have our feet bare or yoga pants on or whatever. Exactly. So what's interesting though, is this idea of helping them to engage by getting, educating them on the tool, which oftentimes when we're speaking, we only have a, a window of time to deliver our content, 
right? And so what I'm hearing there, if I'm hearing between the lines, Diana, is we need to actually build into our presentation time, making sure that we've made room for also teaching about the tool and also enhancing the interaction and the engagement. And therefore, that may require us to cut down our content time. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit, if you could, about do you have like a formula for like, okay, 10% of the time you need to be focused on helping them to actually engage with you. And 15% of the time you need to be interacting with them. And the rest of the time is available for your content. I'm I'm asking you these questions. Literally, I have a 15-minute presentation tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like the present, right? And I mean, it's an event. So they're already doing Mm -hmm. the tool stuff. You know, the event planners are already doing the tool stuff. But for a presenter, like how much time do we need to carve out of our content to be able to fit within the time and to be able to get the interaction that we're looking for? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to step back for just a bit to say, you know, decades earlier, we had more kind of didactic presentations. It was sit and get, right? Somebody would talk, we would listen. But that is that has changed. That's another shift that has happened. We expect, audience expect to be part of the process. If you just watch even popular television, you see viewers that can call in to vote whether somebody stays on a show or doesn't, wins or doesn't win, right? So they expect to be participate. In terms of a hardline rule, Angel, I don't really like to give out hardline rules because I feel it's more instinctual. Some people will say when you're training versus presenting every four to six minutes, you might have them do something. Let me know in chat or come off mute. Go ahead and vote on this poll. Let's go to the whiteboard and see what you think. Raise your virtual hand. Give me a thumbs up. What I would also encourage you to think about is where do you direct focus? We are directors. When you have a visual that you share on your screen, people certainly can direct focus there. But if it's a discussion, you want to have a discussion with people, you might take off your visuals. Why? Because this is about connecting with people and talking with one another. So we stop sharing for that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And then I bring up a visual when my content calls out for clarity. We don't need to always be showing slides just when our content needs illustrations. So really kind of more strategically designing, right? And then being very present as we deliver. Girl, I'm going to have to send you a consultancy. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Well... I am delighted to have received that because I've been yeah. playing around with the, the slides and I keep cutting out slides and cutting out slides and cutting <laughs> out slides and cutting out slides. And I'm down to like, I don't know, eight or 10 slides for tomorrow's 15 minutes. I'm Good. probably going to go cut out another four. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Diana, in the last minute, is there anything else that you'd like to say to any of our listeners who are thinking about either maybe hiring you to speak, because I'm sure we have some folks who might be wanting to do that, or about accessing your book or anything else about virtual presentation that you'd like to share? You know, I came up with an acronym, Angel, that I think is helpful to people when they think about coming across effectively on camera. So the acronym is BLEACH, B as in boy, L-E-A-C-H, which for some of you who may not know, it's like a cleaning 
agent. So I say, this is how you can clean up your on-camera image. So B is for background, keep it tidy and neat. L is for lighting, light from the front, not from the back. E is for expressions. Make sure you bring eye contact when you can to the camera lens. C, let's see, A is for angle. Make sure that it's not an awkward angle, but more eye level so that you can better establish rapport. C is for clothing. You want to make sure that you wear lighter colors if your background's dark or darker colors if your background's light. So light on dark, dark on light, you'll pop better. And then the last one is H for headroom. You want to leave just a little small margin of headroom above you, not excessive real estate. Learners want to see and virtual participants want to see your face your eyes, and your mouth. So you're really leveraging your real estate, right? So that you can put your best person forward in this case and come across effectively on camera in a virtual environment. Oh my God, you're awesome, Diana. Thank you so much. Thank what a you, great, Angel. Great. Let's bleach everybody. Who's yeah, right. Virtual <laughs> speed. Let's clean, clean it up so that you can come across as a professional. All right, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.